The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the ship and runs, sheep and runs away. And the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine and mine know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father, the Gospel of the Lord. So our minds turn to the beatific vision. The vision of God is the vision of beauty, truth, and goodness. God is a person, and beauty, truth, and goodness lead us to God. And so in the scriptures, which are basically Joannine scriptures today, they're about what the purpose of the Christian life is. You have a natural life, and as a natural life, you're all children of God, right? but not in the way that the baptized are. John says we're called out of the world. We're made something unique to God by baptism. And so the focus of the church is on the sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist. In fact, the Easter season ends with the Feast of the Ascension, Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father, followed by the descent of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, the revelation of the interior life of God, and then Corpus Christi, the feast of the body and blood of Christ. Because all of these things are connected in one vision of the beatific vision. And so, to think about the beatific vision made present in humanity. Think about how we look at the world, especially life after death, hell, purgatory, and heaven. In hell, people are a crowd. Everybody is concerned about themselves. They're all looking back at this world. That's according to Dante in the Inferno, which nobody ever reads the Purgatorio or the Paradiso, the three parts of the Divine Comedy. But in the Inferno, Everybody is completely concerned about what happened in this world. But when you enter purgatory, what you're told is don't look back. Look forward. Because in hell, it's a crowd. There's nothing that draws people together. In purgatory, it's a community. Everyone directed on the same goal. How it is that you get from purgatory to heaven. And then in heaven, it's a communion. Because we dwell in God, and in God, we have intimacy with each other that exceeds anything on the natural level. Christianity 
is very much about this play of nature and grace. Nature can only take you so far. We need grace. There is this great Catholic poet named Dana Joy, and he wrote a poem called The End of the World. He's talking about the purpose of the world. I'm going to try to recite it for you without screwing it up. We're going, they said, to the end of the world. And so we stopped the car where the river curled, and we scrambled down beneath the bridge on a gravel track of a narrow ridge. We tramped for miles on a wooded walk where dog hobble grew on its twisted stalk. We stopped to rest on a pine needle floor while two osprey watched from an oak by the shore. We came to a bend where the river grew wide. Green mountains rose on the other side. My guide stepped back. I stood alone while the current streaked over flat, smooth stone. Stone by stone shelf, the river fell, white water goose-tailing in an eddying swell. Faster and louder, the river dropped till it came to a cliff where the world stopped. I stood at the edge where the mist ascended, my journey done where the world ended. I looked out and there was nothing but sky, the sound of the water, and the water's reply. That poem has so much in it about how to think about our lives. There's the beauty of nature. There's also a disconnection from our nature where we just see it and it sees us. Or dog hopple on a twisted stalk that there's something turned wrong in nature. But it leads us to some place. But it's some place beyond where this world is. It is a poem about the beatific vision. In the gospel today, Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd. And so here's what he says. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. And so he knows God the Father. And as he knows God the Father, he knows his own, and his own know me. This is the scriptural basis or part of it for the beatific vision. What it's like to live in God, the experience of what communion is when you take his body and blood into us. And so when you look at the first letter of John, he says, Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called children of God. For we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. So how is it that you explain what the purpose of life is? If it's something beyond our mere material experience of family, of job, of politics, of the economy, of in the natural world, Every part of it points to something beyond it. So how do we realize that? Because if you listen to my words and you think about the beatific vision, you've probably had an experience of beauty. There's probably been a moment when you looked at a mountain canyon and awe took you out of yourself and you forgot who you were for a minute. It is an experience of the beatific vision. But it's the life of the Catholic 
that takes us there. And this is the life of the Catholic, who we are right now. Purgatory is not simply something that happens to us after we die. The purgative way, being cleansed of misdirected, deficient or excessive loves, distorted loves, this is very much about what our lives are like today. And so when you think of the beauty of the world, so much what leads us astray is taking pleasure in the wrong kinds of things. And so here's a way to think about it. Misdirected love. Misdirected love is to love things in a way that leads you away from God. So pride, for instance, a misdirected love. Everybody here has certain excellences, certain things that we're very good at. Others maybe not so much. But when, when our, what happens when our love for our own excellences, our own sense of what works in our life, makes us the harshest judge of everything else? You and Dante's experience of the purgatorio, of purgatory, he has the proud who are the lowest level of purgatory, the furthest away from heaven. He makes them carry huge loads on their backs to bend them down, to remind them who they are before God and who God is to everyone that the proud would judge. And so Dante says that he bent down to talk to one man burdened under that load. But when he stood up in his mind, he was still bowed down. We tend to think that if we know it all, then we become the judge of everything around us. Other misdirected loves would be anger. There is kind of a righteous anger, but it's usually about justice for others. A misdirected anger is when we can only see the wrongs that are done for us. Envy and jealousy. The idea that we can't be happy with what God has given us. We always have our eye on what the other person has. You see, in those misdirected loves, it's like hell. Because you're always looking beyond yourself for what would make you happy. But it's always something material. Putting other people in their place. Having what other people have. Anger. When... I don't get what I think I deserve. But then there's deficient love, and that is indifference. It's sloth to things that we ought to be very energetic about. Sloth is a deficient love because we don't take the right kind of pleasure in the things that should pleasure us. Then there's excessive love, where we love things too much and in the wrong way. And so it's gluttony, greed, and lust. This is one way of thinking about how love distorts pleasure in us. Because true freedom is taking pleasure in those things that lead us to the beatific vision. It's why St. Thomas Aquinas said that all of the Christian spiritual life is learning to love what Christ loved and learning to despise what Christ despised in faith, hope, and charity. 
Because it's those three theological virtues that lead us beyond simply the pleasure that our natural lives have to offer. Faith, because it's trust in Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Hope, because hope looks ahead, not behind. We can't change our past. We can only listen to God and change how we think about our past, what we learn from our past that fuel our hopes in the future. And then faith and hope, D. If we don't have a charitable love for the people God loves. And so our brothers and sisters in the pews, the poor, the outlier, the soul that Christ wants to be brought to him, this is what charity is. This is to take pleasure in what God takes pleasure in. The beatific vision. Everybody has at some point in their life had the experience that there's got to be something more than this. That as beautiful as these things are, that something more is needed to complete nature. In Christianity, we call it God's favor, God's grace. Because you can love a child, and we have a mom and dad that lost a child this week. We had a mom and dad that lost a four-year-old last week. There is no certainty about anything in this life, about where this pandemic goes, what our jobs will be like, how we think about the future. This is the difference between hell, purgatory, and heaven. In hell, see, everything is punishment. How good it could be if. In purgatory, you see every suffering that you have as penance. Something meant not as punishment, but as something to teach us how it is we should order our love so that we can be free. To love as God would have us love. And in heaven, all of this is an expression, the experience of the beautiful vision of God. Because if you think what the biblical command is, is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That is what Jesus' life shows us. And if we can learn to love God like that, then we can learn to love ourselves and each other like that. This is Christianity. This is where the resurrection leads. The resurrection, life after death, is not a nice condo. It is the vision of true beauty. Like Dana Joya's poem, as beautiful as this world is and the road that it leads us on, where it ends, we look out, there's nothing but sky, the sound of God's word and God's word's reply. <laughs>